predominantly white female profession since its origins, so much so that over the last 40 years, the percentage of men in the profession has risen only slightly. Some researchers contend that men avoid career choices like occupational therapy because of the societal expectations of what is gender-appropriate work for males in a Western society. Published literature available on male occupational therapists has limited research pertaining to the motivation of men in occupational therapy. So our guest today shares what his motivation is for studying occupational therapy. Our guest is a second year occupational therapy student studying at the Safako Mahati Health Sciences University. He is also the Otasa S, also known as the Occupational Therapy Association of South Africa Students, SMU branch chairperson. He is also a part of the Otasa S executive committee and holds the leadership position of an education committee representative. He is from Blood River Limpopo, Polokwane, and he believes in helping people live life to the fullest. Our guest today is the one and the only, Lihlokhonolo Ramui Pone. Hi everyone, I hope you're all doing very well. Uh, I'm, I'm a young man who is passionate about helping people to be independent and do things up to their optimal level. And I'm also a student activist, which is more interested in student politics. And then again, generosity and humbleness are my core values. It is through my kindness that I always strive to establish an environment of unity whenever I'm within a group of people. When people are united, we can accomplish a lot of things. There is power in unity. If me and someone, we are united, we obviously will support each other's dream, will support each other's vision. So I believe unity, through unity, we can achieve a lot of things. In fact, yes. You to take us back, um, what events from your childhood would you say have molded you to be the man you are today? Oh, okay. Uh, for me to be where I am or the man I am today is because of uh, the support I got from the family. Obviously, I was raised by a grandmother and my uncle and grandfather. Uh, and then my mom was at school by then. And then they helped me. They took me to church. In fact, that's where we grew. They taught me the word of God, do this this and that via through the word of God. Everything which I do, they will tell you that it must be in, in parallel with the word of God. It must go together with the word of God. That's how I grew. That's what uh, molded me to be who I am today. So I asked Lisa Khanolo, as a young man from Limpopo Blood River, how he found out about occupational therapy and whether or not his expectations of the course have been met. I didn't know about occupational therapy. I didn't know anything about occupational therapy. And if and also I was not even uh, interested into in doing any course or under healthcare sciences or under the medical field. Uh, but as time goes by, I remember I completed my matric 2016 and then I went to VUT to study metallurgy. 
uh, unfortunately, I didn't uh, finish a year. I, were, I, I was I had a friend around Jobek. He was an occupational therapist. We started knowing each other in 2017. He was an occupational therapist, and he used to take me to what do you call those things? Do home visits, go check on his uh, patients. And then that's when I knew about occupational therapy. And I deregistered uh, the course I was doing at VUT. And I went to, uh, I applied for occupational therapy at SMU. Oh, wow. So what does your family then say when you decide to tell them you're deregistering and you want to do another course? Oh, they were very supportive, you know, they were very supportive. They always told us that you must do something which you like, because if you're not doing something which you like, obviously you won't even enjoy the work which you'll be doing. So they they were very supportive towards my decision. And then here I am today through their uh, support. Mm-hmm. And then what were your expectations when you did register for occupational therapy and have those expectations been met? Yes, yes. Uh, Obviously, uh, I expected, obviously, I had a background about occupational therapy through my friend. He told me about the course. He told me about the profession. And I also went further to more research about occupational therapy via internet and other uh, social platforms. And then I expected that, you know, this course, it's all about helping people to be independent. And then when I got into, into the course, that's what I found. And then that's my passion, in fact. So I'm sure a number of occupational therapy students would agree with me when I say, when you are in your first and second year, it is quite challenging to define occupational therapy. So I went on to ask Little Honola how he defines occupational therapy, not only to his family, but to his community members? It's a very complex, as you know, me and you as OT students, it's a very complex course. Uh, when coming to defining it to people, it becomes very difficult. But uh, most of them, they know what's occupational therapy, except the elderly people. I always tell them that, you know what, in occupational therapy, we help people to be independent using their occupations or activities. Cooking, baking, uh, cleaning, whatever you may think as an activity, I can use that to help you to be independent in each and every aspect of your, of your life. So that's how I told them. Because most of them, they will tell me that, ah, you are a doctor. I'll t- I always say, no, man, I'm not. I'm an OT. There's a difference between OT and a medical student or a, a, a doctor. I mean, so. As health students, there are a number of challenges which we face. And I believe these challenges are still encountered within the place of work. Firstly, our age is a great challenge as clients tend to question your level of intervention when they realise how young you are. Secondly, race. Sometimes you find that there are clients who do not want to be treated by you because of your race. And thirdly, your gender. There are some female clients who would opt to not be treated or assessed by a male. I went on to ask Lisa Honolo, as a black male studying occupational therapy, what challenges has he experienced when having to conduct intervention with his clients? I'm, I'm repeating my second year. I'm repeating physiology. Uh, last year when I was doing first, uh, second year, my, it was my first year and second year, uh, we were doing assessment. Obviously, assessment on patients, you have to go to... Uh, different uh, 
areas whereby you do your assessment on patients. So and they tend to say, no, man, can me and you uh, hook up after maybe after discharge, after being discharged, can we please exchange numbers, stuff like that. That's what we find mostly at the psychiatric ward. And looking at the fiscal dysfunction ward or fiscal dysfunction field, uh, they are not a lot. Just that obviously, even when you, when you assess uh, a, a lady, a, a female client, I mean to say, you just have to make your, your story straight, tell them that, okay, this is my role, I'm going to do this and this. And if you touch that person, you just make that clear to them and then you continue with your uh, assessment. So in this segment, Lithlokho Nolo speaks to the stigma which he faces studying into what is considered to be a feminine profession. He also explains why this stigma has not deterred him from studying occupational therapy. Looked as you know, I'm the chairperson of uh, under education Otasas under education rep. I'm their chairperson. I've looked that uh, into the space of different universities. When I checked, I found that in most cases, people who are doing occupational therapy they are females, and uh, that other people when they look at us, they say, "Why are you doing a female course?" Mm-hmm. So that's the stigma that is going around that mostly people mention or associate the course with females because in most cases females are the ones who are doing it mm-hmm. so then why didn't you choose maybe a more what we would say a masculine profession uh you know what i think even from a young age uh, i always wanted to help people I wanted to do something which will benefit people more than me, you see. So when I looked into the profession, I found that, okay, yes, I can do this. And this is what makes me happy. Helping people, people being independent, and then that's it. In fact, we are privileged that we have, uh, we can go into the, into the digital world or into the digital field. We, do, we raise awareness. That's what we should do. Expose people to this course. Educate people about the course. That you know what? This is not about females doing it. Even males, they can do it. The course is all about this and that. And then I think in that, in that way, raising awareness about the course, I think it will work. And also, I just want to raise awareness about the course or about the profession. People, they must, not, they must know about the profession, what the profession does and yeah, the benefit of the profession, in fact, towards the community or towards the, the population. The to do this is that from my area, most of the people, they don't know about the course. So I think me educating them, it's in fact, it's the thing which is, is it's what pushing me. Mm-hmm. Just to tell them that, yes, guys, this is what we do. And then it's very important towards the community Associate yourself with OTs. They can help you in terms of this and this, uh, in terms of ADL, ADLs, work, leisure, how to balance your life, stuff like that. Definitely. And then how would you say you balance your lifestyle? Oh, okay. Uh, Normally, uh, what I do nowadays, in most cases, what I do, it's it's, uh, I would call leisure. 
exercise, go out, jog, uh, take a jog, walk, stuff like that. And then when coming to other activities, as in terms of education, educational field, it's, I, I take... I don't take too much time into my books nowadays because we haven't even started with the online learning or whatsoever. So I just take a little, maybe 30 minutes, just go through my books and the rest of the time I'll be engaging in leisure, uh, IADL and ADLs, going out shopping. Uh, when I come back to my baking, so the family, they love uh, what the cookies which I bake. So that's what I do in most cases you haven't started with online learning how has this pandemic affected your learning there obviously to tell you the truth uh, i think it affected us in a very big way in a very huge way because uh, if you can check obviously already we've lost four months mm-hmm. uh, others should have been doing their clinicals. So they haven't even started, as for instance, the third years, they haven't started with their, uh, uh, what do you call, clini- uh, clinicals because of they don't have theory work. So it affected us a big time. Most of us now, if I was talking to a friend, he was just telling me that, you know what, the student in me has just evaporated. I don't feel like a student anymore. So obviously this pandemic affected our the educational part uh, a, 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 a affected the educational part uh, big time, in fact, yeah. Definitely. I think also considering that being a student right now, for us, it's our biggest occupational role. Yes, yes. And also it's going to be a problem for you to adjust to go back to being a student. It's not going to be easy. Definitely. So what are you doing to ensure that, I know you said you maybe look at your books every 30 minutes to an hour, but what else are you doing to make sure you don't lose out on, you know, that learning energy that you have? Oh, YouTube, go to YouTube, watch videos, read about occupational therapy. That's what I do. Otasa Occupational Therapy Association of South Africa. This is the official voice for OTs in South Africa. And its main goal is to further the practice of occupational therapy and represent the profession. And again, it aims to support, promote, and represent the profession of occupational therapy as a key element of the allied health service in South Africa. And again, goes also as to strive to render a quality service to its members and to add value to their careers. It is also dedicated to the advancement of the occupational therapy profession and also to improve the service to uh, to the consumers. That's what OTASA is. Mm-hmm. So then you are an executive uh, member within OTASA student. Yes. What is your role? Well, okay. Uh, as you all know, I'm under the education committee. I'm representing the education committee. Obviously, my role as an ESCO member under education is to raise awareness about occupational therapy, do everything which is related to whatever role which is related to education under OT or uh, OTASA's ESCO is referred to me. 
raise awareness about occupational therapy, uh, encourage students to part, uh, to be act, to act, to act, to participate into a lot of research. Uh, you know, in fact, we, our role is just to promote academic excellence. I would put it in that way. Back in the nineties, most of our parents or our brothers, they were just going to school and then they tell them that you know what this is what you must do they never had an opinion or, or anything to say about whatever they never engaged about matters they tell them that you do this and if you don't do this uh, you must leave you can excuse us so we as a uh, student activists we are there to engage with the management we engage with various departments in on behalf of the students students i'd say yeah so then how does this influence your relationship with the students and I think your lecturers? Oh, you know, uh, it's it's sometimes you find yourself being caught between a rock and a hard surface. You find yourself being caught in a dilemma whereby at some point the lecturers will tell you this. As I was a class rep for two years, first and my second year, the lecturer will tell you that, you know what, this you must, you, you, you have to decide on what to do. I am a lecturer. I've been given this instruction. What must we do to cater for students? And in that time, you don't have time to consult students or whatever. And then when you take that message, obviously you've already decided on what the lecturers can do. When you take the message to the student, some will say, you know what? Those ones who are trying to be difficult. No, we are not in agreement with that. We don't, we never agree to that. Hey, you are sleeping, you are you are sleeping with management under the same blanket. In fact, you're not for us, you are for management. So you get such insults from students at times. And then how do you calm those waters down, you know, to get the students back under your your wing? Obviously, uh, uh Kanya, I'm a I'm that person who I'll listen to you. I'll listen to what you say. And uh, after that, I'll tell you if, are you finished? Yes, then uh, obviously we have a problem. I'll tell you that we have a problem. So how do we fix it? Because us complaining about the problem won't help. It's already done. So how can we fix it? We should come or implement ways in which we can fix the problem. That's how I deal with situation in most of the cases. Definitely. So on one of your statuses, you said that you're quite shy. So then how is it that you every year you find yourself in these leadership positions? Uh I think um um when I'm around people whom I know, I'm that active person, you see. But if I just came into an environment and I don't know people, I'll I'm I, I, I'm just reserving myself. I'll say I'm shy, yes, to such such uh, such people. But if I know you. Uh, you see that you see the other Lotokonolo who is bubbly, who is active, all those things. Yes. Mm-hmm. Would you say that being shy can hold some opportunities? Yes, yes, yes. Because obviously you won't be able to voice out some other things. You can have ideas, but you voicing them out is going to be a problem. So, but what I do for myself is that if I see an opportunity, even if I'm around people whom I don't know. I'll try to voice out my opinion. Uh, That's how I do my things. That's how I am. The one thing I do enjoy about studying into this profession is that it changes your outlook on life. Lisochanola shares with us 
how studying into occupational therapy has already changed his outlook on life. This profession it made me to to appreciate every moment that I live. Mm-hmm. Just for me to move a pinky finger or just to turn or just for me to wear my shoes, that thing it it's it's a very huge thing for me because when you check in the profession, the patients which we deal with, for instance, the spinal cord patients, they are most of them they can't do that. So mm-hmm. this profession made me, you know what, just have to appreciate every moment of your life in this world because most of the people they can't do that. Most of them they are willing to do that, but they can't due to other conditions. So you are still able to do such things. So why don't you be grateful and then continue living your life to up to the fullest? Definitely. And that is what our profession um, speaks to, living life to the fullest. To the fullest. Yes, yes. So what impact would you, Lisa Honolo, want to leave within this profession? Obviously, uh, my dream is to see myself having a center around the community which I come from because most of the people there uh, we find that they have CPs, um, the kids, they have CPs, they just put the, they just put them behind the doors. They don't want the community, they don't want them to associate. They are taking that social role out of them. So I just want to build a center which will accommodate such people, such kids with autism, such kids with uh, 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 CPs. Uh, you see, those are some of the things which I want to do or uh, leave a mark. So, you know, in our curriculum, we always find articles that speak to the stigma in rural areas. So, for example, they'll say a child with cerebral palsy uh, was bewitched. Do you find that that's the case in your community? Yes, yes. Uh, we find that. And also for, all, uh, for, for people who are mentally disturbed, mm-hmm. they will tell you that this one has been bewitched and stuff like that. But... As you come across such people, you tell them, you know what, this is this is what happens. This person maybe took something, then that thing triggered the psychotic gene. That's how it is. Not that someone bewitched that person, but obviously you have to address that matter in such a way that you respect their beliefs. Because also in our profession, we respect uh, people's beliefs and we take the issue of spirituality uh, serious. So that's what we do. Mm-hmm. So I've got a um, last segment for you. Yes. It's called the Fire Fire Questions. Five? Fire Questions. Yes. So I ask you the question and you get me an, an answer, either in a sentence or one word. Yeah. Okay. So the first question is, what does simplicity mean to you? Yeah. Being simple. (laughs) (laughs) Question number two is, what impact would you like to have on young black males? Teach them to be responsible men. Teach them to look after our beloved sisters because now you can see that the issue of GBV is the one which is trending. So I just want to teach them, you know what, guys, treat them as your sisters. Treat, uh, treat them as your, uh, your siblings. I have uh, this other 
movement it's from church uh, we call it dominion um, davidic movement so what we do is that we go around especially to student races we go around tell them we, we find that we are having men's uh nowadays we can say it's men's conference whereby we bring guys together we cook we eat and then we discuss such issues Oh great and has the response been great? Yes, yes, yes. It's it it has been great. And some of them have been coming forward saying, you know what? This thing and this thing doesn't sit me well. So how can I fix this? How can I do this? I have problems with my girlfriend. How can I fix this without being violent to that person? So it's working. Definitely. And I think as males just having that role model or that brother is also important. Yes, yeah. So question number three is, what is the biggest lesson you've learned in your leadership positions? Is that always be humble, be kind to people. Mm -hmm. The same way as you go to them when you ask them for votes, is the same way which you must treat them when you got those votes. Be kind to them, be humble, and if the person is asking for something which you know is beyond your control. You can always refer that person to other people who are above you or to relevant stakeholders. That's what I do. Definitely. Would you say that um, the South African leadership is also, um, you know, once people are voted into power, they almost change? Yes, yes, we say that a lot. Uh, obviously, we know that... Uh, we cannot cater for all these people at the same time. But we should not also should not treat them as trash, you see. So most of our leaders, they come to us, they perform that political talk. You know what? They promise us things which you know you can say, oh, okay, these people can bring this and that. At least they have ideas that don't come into implementation or execution. It becomes a problem. And then when you go to them and tell them that, you know what, guys, you promised us this and that they'll give you, some of them, they will even say vulgar words to you, you see. Mm -hmm. And some of them will say, no, hey, you guys, you're tiring. You're always here. You're always complaining. And obviously, they have to do that. It's their duty. They have to complain about things which you promised them, which, and then at the other side, you don't deliver. So I think that's what most of the people they are doing or, uh, immediately when they, they emerge into power. Definitely, definitely. So question number four is... What is the best advice you've ever got? The best advice I ever got from? From anyone. Oh. Uh, is that respect people. Whether that person, he is not, whether he's poor, he's rich, able, disabled, respect that person. And again, that, that person matters to God. That's the, the best advice I've ever got from my, my young age. I've been following Steve Harvey. He's He's been there. Okay, I, I wouldn't say he's a mentor, but he's someone who is a, like a role model and a mentor. I have my brother who's always there, who would advise me to do a lot of things in terms of a lot of things, yeah. Mm -hmm. So what is that one lesson you're learning from Steve Harvey at the moment? Okay, you know, as you know, that Steve Harvey is a businessman, all those things. Yes, I'm also 
planning to move into the business field, but not leaving the profession. So he would teach you how to do things um, based on the word of God. He will tell you that if you want to be rich, is there in the word of God, you can go refer to this and that. So whatever he's saying, it's in line with the word of God. That's what I, I learned from Steve Harvey. <laughs> Living life to the fullest. Um, it's making sure that whatever opportunity you can grab, use that wisely and then make sure it's it's of value. It will benefit other people and also you. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what are you doing at the moment? You living life to the fullest. Okay, now, um, um, as I've said, I'm moving to the business world, but not living the profession. I'm busy with my, I've started a business of, of eggs, whereby we buy uh, chickens, which the ones we, we which lay eggs, and then we sell them. So I say that when I do that, I enjoy it the most. Seeing that Lichlachanolo has already started his business ventures, I asked him what tips he had for anyone looking to start their own business. No, we are still very young and our minds are still fresh. So we, we have ideas. So we should just exec- or, uh, execute those ideas or those visions now as we are still young, while we still have chance, whereby you can still go there and there, run here and there. Because when you're old, you won't be doing those things. And then also this thing or the mentality of single uh, stream of income, which you rely on, which is the government, it, we should get rid of that mentality, you see. So that's what I should tell. That's what, that's what I would tell young people about relying on, on government. We should not rely on that. We have business ideas. You have, uh, we, we as young people, we have a lot of things which we think of and then which uh, it's, our ideas are not our are not like those ones of our grandparents. They will tell you that I, I want to build it this and that. But I will say, oh, you know what? I'm thinking of moving into the digital field. I'm thinking of doing this and that. And those things, uh, we can see that 40, 40 years to come, those ideas will still be there. We're still benefiting from there. So I would advise them that uh, grab the opportunity, move into the business field as 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 as, um, as quick as, as possible. Definitely, I couldn't have said it better. On Instagram, it's lechonolo underscore ramiponi. Twitter, same thing, lechonolo underscore ramiponi. And then Facebook is lechonolo ramiponi. That's where they will get me. Thank you so much, lechonolo. You're welcome, Kana. We would love to continue this conversation, so do tag us on our social media platforms at The Adventures of OT on Instagram and at Casey Fords on Facebook. And finally, do share and follow if you enjoy this podcast.